All right. Uh, while we're getting settled out there, I forgot to read this uh, note. Uh, this is from uh, Stephen and Jenna Arnold. They were the uh, uh, young couple that came and uh, talked to us about Sukkot, I mean, the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, and they just sent us a note saying, Dear Westside Baptist Church, thank you for inviting me to come speak at your church. It was an honor to share from God's word about the Fall Feast of Israel. It was also refreshing to worship with a church family who understands the need to reach the Jewish people with the gospel. Thank you so much for taking up an offering to support me and my wife. Your support is such a blessing to us. To God be the glory, Stephen Arnold. Uh, one of the things that stands out to me about that little note is that uh, as I talked to Stephen, he says it was very, like you said, refreshing uh, to come into a church that really wants to minister to the Jewish people uh, because uh, he says it's, it's getting very um, difficult in some churches in America that uh, that is not a welcome thing that's being done and uh, that there's really anti-Semitism on the rise within the church of Jesus Christ and that is really surprising to me. Well, it's not really surprising because the, uh, the day and age that we live in. But I tell you what, man, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' blood, isn't that a great message this morning? And uh, that, is, uh, that is the good news for us as a church. That is the good news that we have for this world. And as we continue on this morning, the good news of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to be continuing to focus on this week. Ann and I wanted to thank you along with the rest of the staff. Uh, and thank you so much for the cards of encouragement, uh, the kind words that you spoke, and for the gifts. They were greatly appreciated uh, uh, this last week. Uh, let's go to the Lord and pray and uh, just ask him to be the one who will guide and he will be the one who teaches us this morning uh, and pray that the spirit of God would have his way uh, with the people of God as the word of God is ministered. Uh, so let's pray together. Father, what a privilege it is this morning to even be able to cry out and say that you are Father. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus this morning. We thank you that it is what allows us into the presence of the Most Holy. And so, Lord, as we pause as a time to humble ourselves before you, before the preaching of the word, Father, we pray that you would captivate our hearts this morning, Lord, not with the preaching, but with the mighty word of God. Lord, that you would be the one who has heard through your word this morning. And that this pastor would become just a mere shadow behind the cross, hidden there, Lord. May I be low as the dust this morning as you are lifted high as the heavens, Lord Jesus. May you be glorified. May you be the one who people see this morning. And through that, we pray that by your namesake and for your namesake, that you would draw us as a people close to you. And we pray that in Jesus Christ's name. And the church said. Amen. Well, the message this morning is titled, The Person, the Process, and the Purpose of the Resurrection. We're continuing on talking about the resurrection, and we'll find our text this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 20 through 28. You'll remember after last week, it was kind of a, could have been a discouraging message if we really saw what Paul was trying to say. He says, if there is no resurrection, how terrible it would really be. As a matter of fact, he ended in verse 19. He says, if there is no resurrection, then we as God's people are the most pitied among all the earth. It would mean absolutely nothing. If there was no resurrection, there would be no forgiveness of sins. 
If there were no resurrection, there would be no hope for the future. If there were no resurrection, we would have no message at all for this world that we live in. But thankfully, we're able to go to verse 20. And if you would read that with me very quickly, and, and we will then jump into our message this morning. But verse 20, he says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. And so after laying out and saying, hey, it would be a terrible thing if there were no, no resurrection, and he says, but Christ has risen. Now, I hope that you will grab the excitement of that message and that it will really infiltrate your life, that it will re-energize re you and your outlook about the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And the first thing that I wanted to cover this morning is the person of the resurrection. The person of the resurrection. And we find that in verses 20 through 22. And let me read those scriptures again to set the stage for what we want to unpack here. Again, verse 20 says this, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, when we look at the person of the resurrection, and we, this, the, the more I preach, the more I study, the more I understand that the entire word of God is centered around the person of Jesus Christ. And he is to be preeminent in everything that we do. And, and, and we look at this, listen, if it were not for Christ, then there would be no resurrection. And, and that is what he wants to get us across. Christ has the preeminent position in the resurrection. It is because of Christ and because he has been raised from the dead that we of all people should be envied. Now, that's a really kind of a play from last week because he says, if there is no resurrection, then we of all people should be the most pitied. But the matter of the fact is this, is because Christ has been raised from the dead. Listen, this is not a fairy tale. This is a reality that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who walked on the face of this earth some 2,000 years ago, God come in the flesh, sinless, died on a cross, was buried and rose again on the third day, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he is at this day, waiting for the Father to say, it is time, go back and get your church. It's not a fairy tale, it's a reality. And the fact is, is because he has been raised from the dead, the rest of the world may look on us and they may despise us for who we are, but they really should envy us for who we are, not because of anything that you or I have ever done, because we deserve absolutely nothing. It is all because of what Christ Jesus has done. And if we recognize that great position that we are in, folks, one of these days, I am convinced, and I am convinced it is soon, that Jesus Christ is going to come back for the church. I believe that we are on the brink of the second coming of Christ. Not just, I mean, not just the second, let me back it up, because before the second coming of Christ, there will be the rapture of the church. 
As a matter of fact, I was reading, listening to a guy this week, and he was teaching on Psalm 83, a psalm that had, had not been known before really in its prophetic sense, but really looking at Psalm 83, breaking down and watching how the whole Arab League has come about in Psalm 83, and that God is going to wipe them out, and that that could actually happen before the rapture, but certainly we're close because that's all transpiring now. Because they're going to come against Israel. And that's a fact. Now, as I look at that, and, and, and again, we need to see because of this resurrection. We're talking about our resurrection as, as well. Listen, you don't need to be downcast in looking at the way this world is. And, and can I just say, if, if we're looking at it from a worldly standpoint, it can be depressing. Right? And I'll just give you a hint in the way that you can lift your countenance up a little bit. Stop watching the news so much and start reading your Bible a whole lot more. And that will help your countenance out a whole lot. Right? Because the Bible is the one that we trust, not the commentator and the talking head on some, you know, news station, which is really not news. He goes on to say that Christ is the first fruits. Now, this is important because this is a reference to the initial offering for the coming of a harvest. The harvest would, would come and there would be an offering of first fruits given up to the Lord with the expectation that more was going to come out of that harvest. And he says, Christ is the first fruit of that harvest. And in this case, it is a harvest of the dead. Christ's resurrection precedes the harvest that will follow. Listen, there is a promise for us. That one day, listen, one day, if we die, if we die a physical death, that one day we are going to go in the grave. Or, or, you know, if you're cremated, it doesn't matter. Or if you were lost at sea, it doesn't matter. The Bible says that one day he is going to raise the dead up from wherever they're at. And, and he says that he is the first fruit of that. He is the promise of the harvest to follow. Now, normally in the first fruits, you would give that harvest, and then uh, there would be uh, the, first, the offering of that harvest, and Christ is that first offering of that harvest. And, and the thing is, there's a little bit of a gap here for us, right? And that harvest, the harvest followed, but now we're just waiting. We're just waiting for that end-time harvest to come that says that you and I will be caught up with him. It is not a temporary resurrection by any means. There are those in the past that experienced a resurrection, but they died again, right? We know the little girl that the Lord Jesus raised up. She died. We know that Lazarus, the Lord Jesus, came to the grave, and he cried out to Lazarus, and he says, listen, and listen, there is no doubt that Lazarus was dead, because even to the point when he we went, and he says, hey, roll away the stone, and they said, hey, Lord, it's been a few days. He stinks by now. Right? And he says, no, roll away the stone. And can you imagine, can you, I, I just let your mind drift with me for a moment, back to that moment when the Lord would be standing outside the tomb of Lazarus and he would say, Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine Lazarus? He's, he's in eternity he is in the bosom of Abraham, which is a, a, another way of saying that he was in heaven. 
And as he is sitting there and he is enjoying the felicity of the Lord and he hears the Lord Jesus Christ call out his name and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he walks out of that grave. Now we don't know what that experience was because Lazarus never wrote a book about going to heaven and coming back. Which a lot of people write those today and I think it's purely entertainment. But we do know this, that I'm sure he had no fear of death when that time came again because he knew exactly what awaited him on the other side. And brothers and sisters, one day the Bible says that old Lazarus' body will be rejoined once again in heaven with his spirit. You see, it is not a temporary resurrection that we are speaking of here and what Paul was speaking of. Because of Christ's resurrection, it ensures that when those who are in Christ are raised from the dead, it will be eternal in nature. Christ is alive, therefore we will be like him in the resurrection to live in eternity. You grab that? It's not going to be a temporary thing for us, folks. It's going to be forever. Forever. Living in his presence, being with him like him alive with a new spirit and a new body to join that spirit. Listen, let me just kind of, and I'll, and I'll probably hit this a couple of times. Understand this, when you became a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, your spirit was resurrected. It was brought back to life. And the promise is that one day he is going to resurrect that body out of the grave to join the resurrected spirit. You see, the Bible says you were dead in your trespasses. And the only way that you can be brought back to life, the only way that you can accept Christ is to have that, experience, or that spirit brought back to life. Amen? Amen? So, we need to understand that we're going to join him with a new spirit, or with a spirit that has been born again, and a new body to join that spirit. Why is Christ the focus of the resurrection? Look at verse 21 and 22. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Why is Christ the focus of the resurrection? Because of Adam, death came to all men. Adam's rebellion of sin caused both a spiritual death as well as a physical death. Every time I've ever preached a funeral, I am reminded of what God promised to Adam and Eve. The day that you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. And in Adam, all of mankind were condemned to a spiritual and a physical death. And Christ comes along and he brings back the spirit to life through acceptance in him. But the promise is just as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. And because of Adam, all men experience death both physical and spiritual, it is also because Christ is made in Christ, all in Christ are made alive. Now listen, this does not mean that all humankind will experience the resurrection that Christ promised to those who follow him. You need to understand that. That's universalism. There are those out there who would say, well, if, Christ, if, if we're all dead in Adam, then we're all alive in Christ. No. 
We're all dead in, in Adam because we're in his likeness. But here's what the Bible says. The only way that we can take on the likeness of, of Christ is if we come to him and seek his forgiveness. And we're brought into the family of God through adoption through Jesus Christ. And then all in Christ will be raised up. Now, I will say this, that every single person will be raised again. And we'll cover that here in a little bit. But what you want to be in is you want to be in the first resurrection. You don't want to be in the second resurrection. The second resurrection is muy mal, very bad. It's not where you want to be. And, and listen, if you're here this morning and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, may I plead with you. May I beg you this morning. May I do everything that I could possibly do. Paul says, listen, he says, I, if I could persuade you this morning, I would try to persuade you. Oh, trust in Christ. You see, the follower of Christ, those who are in Christ, are made alive. How are we made alive in Christ? It begins with the resurrected spirit. It is for that moment of salvation. The Bible says when you come to Christ and you humbly admit to Christ that you cannot save yourself, that it is essential for him and him alone. When it is that point where he brings you to the place that you understand you are separated, eternally separated from him. And when you place that and you say, I place my faith in you, the Bible says that you, are, you have a new spirit. You are raised and given a new spirit. As a matter of fact, it says that we become a new creation in Christ. That is the first part. 1 John 3, 1 says this, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. You see, there's a point that we're not children of God. The Bible says that there are two families in the world, that there's the devil's family and there's God's family, and there's no in-between. And it is only through Jesus Christ that you become part of God's family. And that's what he's talking about. John said that. He says, what, what wild, crazy love is this that God has allowed us to become the sons of God. And even that term, sons of God, listen, ladies, don't, don't be put off by that. Don't be offended by that. We need to go back and understand that that's a direct reference, not just to the sons of God, but that you are getting the inheritance as the son of God that you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that great to contemplate? So we're given a new spirit, resurrected, made alive in Christ. One day this body will rise again. I tell you what, after the last couple of days of fighting whatever bug that's been plaguing everybody else, I was ready for that body to rise. <laughs> Man. But it made me think, oh, Lord, how great it will be. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the brothers and sisters who have gone before us just in a spirit, and we don't know exactly, but we do know this. We know that the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present, Present with the Lord. 
We know that. We don't know what type of body is there right now, but we do know this, that he is going to raise up this physical body. He is going to raise Jim Jones's body back out of the grave, and I will join my spirit when I depart to be with him. Now, Paul's going to get into it next week because the, the Corinthians are going, man, I don't, I don't get it. How does that happen? He goes, are you that dull? I, I, that's what he says. Are you that dull? He says, birds have a different flesh. Fish have a different flesh. So why is it so hard for you to understand that there's going to be a, a new flesh that God will create? That's an awesome thought, eh? I, I mean, that's, that's great. I, does that, this, this side of the house, they're pretty excited over here about the resurrection. <laughs> You know, I know that we're going to talk about the resurrection being about three different phases. Y'all may be in that second phase. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, listen, that's where I want to take us to now. This is the process of the resurrection. Now, this is good information because a lot of us don't understand. I'm learning a lot as I study through this. There are things that I'm really grabbing and getting excited about as I study through the scriptures on this. And one of the things I'm learning about is the process of the resurrection. We find that in verse 23 through 24. And it says, but every man in his own order. That's important. Every man in his own order. So there's going to be an order or a process to the resurrection. Christ the firstfruits, afterward, they that are Christ at his coming, then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. So here's the process, Christ being the first, Jesus being the first of the resurrected. Again, let me emphasize this to us. Jesus is not raised up in some spiritual form. He is also raised up completely in the flesh and is at the right hand of the Father today. Right? Now, just go back and think about that. Read the scriptures. You remember what he told Thomas? He says, put your fingers here. Thrust your hand in my side. He ate with them. He had a very unique body because all of a sudden he could just be in a room. My understanding is that's going to be kind of the way we are. It's going to be a great thing. You know? I mean, that, that's, that's, that's an awesome thought. I, I don't know what totally it's going to be like, but I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. it it's an adventure, folks. I mean, I've always been the guy that loves adventures, and, and I, keep, I, I just keep thinking about what an adventure this is going to be. I mean, you, you get excited about that new ride at Six Flags. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, Six Flags got nothing on the ride that's coming up. <laughs> right? I mean, it's going to be fabulous. It's going to be awesome. And so Christ is the first fruit. He is the beginning, and then there is to be a break or a gap before the time of the harvest. Now, here are three stages of the resurrection for believers. Three stages for the resurrection of believers. There is the resurrection of the church. As a matter of fact, if you would, turn over to 1 Thessalonians. Take a right-hand turn from where we're at. Go to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. If I can find it in my Bible. You ever have one of those moments? Chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. 
Let me just back up to 14. Now we back up to 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, a euphemism for those who have died, that sorrow not, even as those which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, if you believe that, say amen. amen. Even so, them which, are, uh, which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them, which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Can I tell you what, if we are alive at the rapture, there is going to be a family reunion in the air. Because the Bible says that he is going to bring those that have gone before us. As Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Those that are present with the Lord will come with him and we will meet in the air and ever, forever be with the Lord. That is the first resurrection because here's the deal, right? Here's the deal. It's those who have died in Christ, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen so quick, the world's not even going to know what's going on, right? It's the bodies of the dead are going to come out of the grave and join the spirits that are coming back. And those that are still alive, it could be us. It could be today. That's why we believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, there is absolutely nothing. Listen, absolutely nothing. Say it with me, goose egg. Goose egg. Nothing that has to happen before the rapture of the church. Nothing. It could happen today. It could happen before we get out of this church service. Man, I'm all for it. I'm out. The reason we stay is because we want to witness and share Christ with those here. That's all we want to stay. That's what Paul says. It's more beneficial for you that I stay. So this rapture that takes place, the church goes up first. That's Christ is gone. Then he comes back for his church. Then there is the resurrection of the tribulation saints, and we don't have a, a, the time to go into it this morning, but Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4, we get a great picture there. Listen, something that sometimes we don't understand, there, can be a, there will be a gap of some type in between the, tr the rapture of the church and the tribulation period. It could be a week, it could be a month, it could be years. We don't know exactly how long. That's why we believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, you go back and read uh, Psalm 83, you can begin to see some things that happened there. Uh, the, the whole Arab League kind of wiped out, and then you have Gog and Magog coming down from the north, which is a federation of Russia and a bunch of others, right? And what are they? The, the Arab League are the ones that are they're wanting to destroy Israel, wipe them off the face of the earth, drive them into the sea. And, and that doesn't happen. Israel wipes them out instead, which will be miraculous in and of itself. A tiny little nation wipes all the others out. And then you have Magog coming down in his federation and some coming up, and they're going in. They're not coming because they hate Israel. They're coming to take the plunder. And God supernaturally wipes them out. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. We're living in a day that people are accepting the supernatural more and more. 
As a matter of fact, there are more people that believe in aliens than they do Jesus Christ. And there's something to that. I, I like what L.A. Marzulli says. Now, I disagree with L.A. on certain things, but I will tell you certain things I do agree with L.A. Marzulli on is we go up, they come down. The rapture goes up and there is going to be some type of delusion that I believe will involve. Now, I, this, I, I, I gotta be careful what I say because I know this is on tape and people think he's a nut, he's, he's wearing a tin, you know, tinfoil hat. But folks, I'm telling you, there's something going on out there and I believe it is demonic. It, it's not aliens, it's demons. But the world's buying into it. And they got to explain how we all disappeared. And they're going to bring the answer. And the world's going to eat this up as they're eating it up right now. Folks, we're close. We're close. Look up, your redemption draws near. That shouldn't freak us out. That should make us happy. Right? So... During this tribulation period, we're gone. Boom, we're out. We're in heaven with the Lord. And then there comes on this earth a horrendous time. A time so terrible that the earth has never seen anything like it. And, and perhaps I'll, I'll preach through Revelation and so we can get a view, but it will be a horrendous time to be alive. <coughs> And it says that during that time that the saints give their lives for Christ. You see, there will be a lot of people that get saved during the tribulation period. Now, don't, don't say, I'll hang around and I'll get saved then. I, I like what somebody said one time. Listen, if you, don't have the, if you don't have it in you to serve him now and stand for him now, when it comes time to get your head lopped off, you won't then either. And that's what the Bible says, that they'll lose their heads for the cause of Christ. And there will be no telling how many of God's people who are slaughtered for their faith during that time. And that's the second group that will be raised up. Their bodies will go to be joined with their spirits. Then there's the Old Testament saints. They say, oh, I thought they were already there. Their spirits are. But if we look at Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2 and Isaiah 26 and 19 and 20, there's going to be a time after this that the Old Testament saints rise up as well. That's a great, great thing. Can I just tell you something, folks, as I study through this? Do you recognize how privileged the church is? That we are unique to be called the bride of Christ and that he says, I have spared you from this hour. Oh, how he loves us. And what we have to look forward to. That is not to say that we won't experience persecution. Can I get an amen? Matter of fact, I talked to one of our members today and he told me that he got written up because he had shared a Bible verse at work. How about that? That's a reality, folks. That's a reality. Then there will be those who die during the millennial reign, right? We know that at the end of the tribulation, seven years, horrific time, don't have time to go into it, three and a half and three and a half. 
At the end of that time, Christ is going to come back. He's going to rule and reign on this earth. And I'll talk about that in a moment. He'll come back and rule and reign on this earth. And during that time, there will be some who will die even during the millennial reign. But if they're followers of Christ, if they have trust in Christ, the one writer says, probably, don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us, but probably the moment they die, there's an immediate resurrection of the body. Their heart quits, boom, whoop, here I am again, reanimated with a new body. Now some of, I can look out there and some folks are going, man, this is kind of wild. Can I remind us again that we serve a supernatural God? Can we, can we quit trying to, to, to put our view of what this world is about in our little, you know, finite mind and open up to what the scriptures say? And accept what God tells us about the future. I mean, to me, it's exciting. I, I mean, it's just an exciting thing. I have to admit that I've wondered, am I going to be younger or am I going to be older? I mean, I don't know. But I know one thing, I'll feel good. And I, I know one thing, I'll enjoy it every single moment for eternity. Now, there's one final resurrection that we need to talk about. Let's turn over to John chapter 5 and verse 29. Let's back up at um, 28. Lord speaking, he says, Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. You hear that? All that are in the grave shall hear his voice. And shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now, turn over with me to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which is burning with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see... For the follower of Christ, whether Old Testament or Two Testament, I was sharing with the Sunday school class this morning. Listen, the Old Testament saints were saved in the same way that you and I are saved. They are saved by faith. They were saved by faith looking forward to what Christ and who Christ was. We on the New Testament side are looking back by faith to what Christ has done. And by faith, we are looking forward to the day that he will return. And so all those by faith in the Lord God will be raised to the resurrection of life. 
But all those who have rejected God will be raised to the resurrection of damnation. You see, some people think that, hey, if I'm just a spirit, maybe I just get annihilated. No, 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 no. No, that spirit, the moment that, the, the moment the person who does not know Christ dies, their spirit is separated from their body and they are taken into hell. And they are totally isolated and separated. And the Bible says that one day that that spirit will be rejoined with a resurrected body and that spirit and body will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the white throne judgment and they will be judged for every single thought every single word and every single action that they have ever committed and then it says that that body and spirit will be cast into the lake of fire where there is eternal torment you say that's not very loving oh yes it is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, God says here's the answer. You grab it? It adds urgency to our message that we would tell people about our Lord and Savior and that they would be part of the first resurrection. Let me talk about the purpose of the resurrection. Here's the purpose of the resurrection found in verses 24 through 28. Then comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he says all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son himself also be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Now, this seems a little confusing initially when you would read it, but let me try to unpack this for us, the purpose of the resurrection. The purpose of the resurrection is this, to bring things to a righteous end. And I want you to just marinate on that a moment. To bring things to a righteous end. Most of the world and most of the world religions look at everything in a very cyclic view. You know, there are those who say, well, you know, you live, you die, and you come back as something else. You see, for the Christian, though, for the Bible believer, we don't believe in a cyclic view. We believe in a linear, linear view. And a linear view is this, that there was a beginning and that there's going to be an end. You see, there is a point that God created an earth, and there's going to be a point that God is going to dissolve this earth and create a new earth and we are on that timeline and i believe that we are close to the end of that timeline and and it, it doesn't take a really wise person to figure that out all we have to do is look around us and see what's going on in the world 
Now, when that will be, I don't know. Don't know. But I want to be ready when it happens. We have a timeline in sight. Christ says he is the beginning and the end. Now, through his resurrection, he will claim, reclaim the earth and creation for his own. Can I just say something, folks? A lot of times that we get this feeling that, that this is us and this is the world. And it's revolving around us. Can I just say this? If you haven't had your coffee this morning, go back, open up the Folgers, take a big whiff, and wake up. You see, this world isn't about us. This world is about Him. And it's about Him reclaiming this earth for His own. Because He is the one who made it. And the purpose of the resurrection is that he is going to come back and reclaim it. Christ will return to the earth to rule both the spiritual and the physical realm. If we read through the scriptures, you will find this, that it's during this time that he will put down all rule, authority, and power. That's during the millennial rule. There will be no open rebellion tolerated from the Lord. Revelation 19:15 says he rules with an iron scepter. Now one of the things that that tells me is and it doesn't surprise me anymore is that even during the perfect rule of Jesus Christ there will be men and women on this earth who will have a rebellious heart. And if they could, they would rebel, but he says he won't allow that. He rules with an iron scepter. But at the end of that thousand years, Satan is loose for a season, and we don't have time to go back and teach how that he was locked up. But at the end of that time, he is released, and we released, and we find that in, in chapter 20 and verses 7 through 9 of Revelation. He tries to lead a rebellion against the Lord one last time. I'm amazed that, that Satan is still sitting there, even knowing what the Word of God says. And he says, I think, boys, if we can just pull it together this time, we can overthrow the altar. Almighty. And he leads rebellious men and women in their hearts, where they may have not shown it outwardly, but in their hearts, their rebellion against the rule of Christ. And it's at that point that the Lord breaks all of that rebellion. It is at that point that death is conquered and abolished forever. Because he brings up the dead to stand before him. And he judges them. And they are cast into the eternal lake of fire. When that happens, the Bible says then that Christ delivers the kingdom to the Father. What a, what a neat thought. You know, there's something that if we would just contemplate this a little bit, this tremendous love relationship that's going on between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. We forget that sometimes. And how that the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father and the Spirit loves them and they love one another. Isn't that amazing? And he says that he puts all of that under his feet. He came to this earth and he worked as a Savior, 
did that work that the Father gave him to do it. He's coming a second time to fight and to conquer, to rule, and finally to judge. And then that final act of subduing all power and authority, he puts it under his foot. It's the picture of when one king would be captured over another, that oftentimes that king would come and the, the king would be sitting on his throne and the conquered king would come and bow himself down at the feet of that conquering king in full submission. And sometimes that king would even take his foot and put his foot on the neck of that conquered king. That is the picture of our Lord Jesus Christ that he comes in and he puts his foot on the neck of the enemy. Even death, and he says, you are done. You are finished. And he casts them into hell. And then he turns to the Father and he says, Father, the work that you have given me is done. I have kept all of those that you gave me. I have brought them to be with us. I have now come and I have conquered the domain that you and I have created from the beginning. And Father, now I turn it back to you. And in that loving moment, the Father says to the Son, then you come and rule with me. And now we see the Father and the Son and the Spirit reigning together over a new creation and a new created people. Isn't that great, folks? You can't make this stuff up. It's real. That is what we have waiting for us. That is the end for the believer. Can you imagine us as the audience looking out as this transpires and our kind master Jesus turns to our Father and says, here it is. And we will live in a world that God created better than, better than Adam and Eve. A world without the possibility of sin. A world with absolutely no death. It's really kind of incomprehensible in one sense because that's all we've ever known. But I believe it to be true, brothers and sisters. What a message that we have for this world. What a message. We dare not, we cannot hold this message and hide it under a bushel. Amen? Amen. We need to be telling others about it. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer, please? Father, we thank you this morning for your word, which is holy, which is righteous. It's a fearful thing, O oh Lord, that you say to fall into the hands of an angry God. We're so thankful, Lord, that you have shown us mercy. By your grace, you have brought us to repentance, to trust Christ. We pray this morning for those that may be here who don't know you as Lord and Savior, that this would be the day that you would grant them a repentant heart, that you would revive in them and resurrect a spirit and grant to them eternal life. Father, we pray that you do this for your namesake, 
Not that we as a church would be recognized, but that you as a God would be honored. Thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. May you use it in the way that would best glorify you. May we be humble before you this day. And we pray this in Christ's name. Would you stand to your feet, please, this morning? Brad's going to come and lead us. Can I just tell you, folks, if you want to come and pray, we've got folks that would love to pray with you. Uh, it doesn't matter what you need to pray about, but we would love to pray with you. Uh, we believe that God answers prayer. It's a great place for us to say. Amen. Let me try that again. We believe God answers prayer. Amen. And, and so if you would like to pray, then we'd invite you to come up. We've got folks that will sit down with you and, and, and pray. You may want to come to Christ this morning and say, hey, listen, uh, God has, has really brought me to a place that I know I need to follow him. And we'll sit down with you and, and just walk through the word with you. Uh, and... Uh, you know, if you're here, and we're just glad you're here. I, I don't know how to end this, folks. I, I believe God's moving, though. I really do. And I'm grateful. So, Brother Brad.